Hi everybody, it's August 20th, 2023, Sunday, 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 Sunday. Sunday. and uh, welcome to the CC and JT Amateur Hour, where production values go, go to, to die. die, sitting across the table for me is CC. And across from me is JT. And for those that are new to the experience, what you have here is a couple of amateur writers of a certain age who self-publish on Amazon. I'll give you our website at the end, uh, but we uh, try to impart what has influenced us and what has made us who we are. I'm doing hand gestures today because, you know, that just sort of, I'm trying to wake up, folks. I'm tired. Oh, so you're not hyped up on our Jack coffee? I, oh, actually, I'm jacked up on Jack. But anyway, ta-dum-tum. <laughs> -dum. Yeah, ta-dum. Okay. Um, we have an interesting show for you today, as you saw on social media, and uh, we'll be get to it in a minute because uh, what we do first is we do uh, updates, or as someone called it, small talk. Yes. And we do this updates and small talk stuff uh, because sometimes our family, in, after they've had four or five Jack Daniels, ooh, that's, <laughs> that's the theme of today, Jack. Jack, yeah. But after they've had a few shots, they say, I wonder what's going on with those guys. And so they listen and then they go, oh, God, they're the most boring people in the world. <laughs> but okay. we're cute. Okay. Uh, first, obviously, uh, the weather. Yes. The weather, um, Nevada, um, a lot of Nevada, western Nevada, starting from um, Las Vegas up to the west side of the slant, up to uh, Reno-Carson area, is under the influence of Hurricane Hillary. Yes. And uh, so uh, we woke up this morning and uh, with quite a bit of cloud cover and it, was, it rained overnight. And it's actually very nice. It's very soft, it's as they very... say in the old country. It's tis a soft morning. Tis a fine soft morning. Tis a fine soft morning. And uh, for those of you in Carson Valley, uh, you're socked in completely. Uh, and it's it's and uh, we it's are very... expecting the main humph uh, tonight. Yes, and uh, when you say that Carson Valley is socked in, it can be very atmospheric because the Sierra Nevada down there is newer, mm. and it is much more jagged, mm -hmm. and we get some really incredible vistas of those mountains down there with the cloud cover, like mm -hmm. you mentioned this morning. The clouds were caressing the mountains. Yes. And it's, it was just fascinating to see. And I hope I could do a, a nice mental picture. I was picking up the groceries and I came out on Roop and the the the, uh, the hill that is just north uh, west of the graveyard is coming over that hill. And you have a really good vision of those mountains and what it is and the, the, the sky over Carson Valley. And you could see that Carson Valley was completely sucked in. But you could also see the clouds kind of rolling down the the mountains, down the hills, down the canyons, down the jagged slides. It was very actually very picturesque. And if I'd had a camera and a better angle, it would have been quite the picture. But, you know, the, hopefully I, I drew a nice mental picture for y'all. Yes, and a pro tip for people who live in western Nevada in the Carson City area. If you do want some good vistas of those mountains for photography, there is a park down in South, South Carson before you go over the hill into uh, Douglas County. Mm -hmm. yeah, there's, there's a park down there where you have un un unobstructed views. Obviously, tongue twister morning. But you can get some really gorgeous shots of yep. the mountains down there. And of course, there's Prison Hill. Prison, Prison Hill. hill and the hill I think you were trying to think of, I think it's called Cemetery Hill. Cemetery Hill. But, uh, right next to Lone Mountain. Yeah, Prison Hill. Um, hi, Homa. Anyway, <laughs> uh, okay, so um, so we're going to be getting w a, a little bit of more rain. We're yes. having another 
hundred year weather event like we had over the winter when we got all of that snow, all of which went into our basement. And we're going to talk about the basement here. Uh, actually, that's a good segue. Yes. So th- this weekend's project, uh, Cece and I, after having the place fumigated, literally fumigated uh, for mold, and oh dear God, the place smells like a it smells toxic like a, dump. You know, toxic waste dump. We are adding it because we are putting sealant on our cinder block walls down there, and it just smells terrible. And so we're we probably would not pass anything like a healthy lung check right now because it's just nasty, nasty, nasty. But, but we are venting as much as possible. We do have basement windows open. We have kitchen windows open. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are getting yeah, as much air as possible. Yeah, it's simply just not pretty right now. So, but anyways, like I said, we're so we uh, spent a lot of day yesterday, and we're going to be spending a lot of day today. Um, doing all of that, uh, that same thing. We're going to be uh, finishing what we can with the bucket that we have. And it's looking likely that next weekend we'll probably be doing more of the A same. A second coat, yes. But uh, there's just nothing to be done about it. Um, so, um, so, you know, so send lungs. <laughs> it actually is much better than it was when we first had the work done. I think uh. airing the place out has helped a lot, but there are still lingering smells and I'm noticing that when there's a shift in the temperature, because this morning it was a beautiful 60 degrees, like you said, it's very soft. And the when it shifts from hot to cold, the smells become more intense. Yeah, it's 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 fun. But fortunately for you, you get out of the house for 50 hours a week. And uh, <laughs> okay, never mind. Okay. Um, and finally, just a very quick note. Uh, we just want to say good morning to Rags. Who are the friendly neighborhood cat. Our wildlife update. Yeah, wildlife update. For, who uh, came up to us this morning as we're taking in the groceries and really wanted to come in the house. Uh, and it's like, since uh, I am allergic at the mere sight of cats and dogs, it, we're not going to allow that to happen. But Rags is, uh, is, I'm not sure how to describe Rags, but Rags has beautiful blue eyes. I believe Rags may be part Siamese. Mm. Rags has some of the coloring doesn't look quite, you know, doesn't have the pointy ears and everything. But Siamese, I believe, one of the traits is blue eyes. Yeah. And, de- and long hair. Very, but, but Oh, that, yeah, that shaggy, color. which right. is why we call Rags Rags, right. because Rags has a shaggy coat. We have no idea what the cat's name is. It's a longtime neighborhood um, feral cat yeah. that uh, people seem to be taking care of it. It looks like its coat has been trimmed recently, and it's mm-hmm. a little cleaner. So it's not, um, you know being neglected in any Mm -hmm. way it does look fairly i mean a little thin but healthy yeah and um but yeah rags was being friendly this morning and actually talked to me yeah (laughs) (laughs) because rags wanted to get in the back of the car and i was saying no yeah no rags was rolling around wanting to belly scritches and we're going no we can't be doing that okay um i can't think of any other small talk or current events what do you what do you think no, I think we're ready to dive in because okay. we have a pretty intense topic this morning. We have an interesting topic, and uh, Cece and I were talking about uh, talking about this, and it was our reflex to always go towards our childhood memories. When I when I was actually trying, the point of the subject is it's not just uh, our in being influenced as children, but being influenced as adults, and that is significant women writers, published yes. writers. Famous or otherwise. And so when I first proposed this, and I don't mean to, to call you out by this because I'm certainly not doing that, uh, your mind directly, probably went directly to A, your most famous writer, but B, then you started slanting towards children writers because that's 
Um, the, you know, when we first start reading, that's when our mind is the most open, and that's when we're most influential. But my my idea was more, uh, it was more like women writers who have influenced us throughout the entire ride. Yes, and I see what you mean by that. My mind went initially to two. One was my favorite author, who you said, rightfully so, that we have discussed frequently in the past, who's Georgette Hare. And um, that would be probably my mid to late teens. Uh, Mm -hmm. But she was very influential on me. The second one I thought of was Carolyn Keene. I had to look her up because I couldn't remember for sure. I know that Carolyn Keene actually was a pseudonym for a group of writers. But the original writer, her name was Mildred Benson. She started writing under the name Carolyn Keene. And if that name sounds familiar to you, then you may be familiar with the Nancy Drew books. So those books were a huge influence on me, uh, late elementary, going into middle junior high at the time. Um, and even into high school, I still have Nancy Drew books on the shelves, and um, I shared them with my kids. I don't know if my grandkids have read any of them yet, but it's possible at some point I may corner them and say, "Hey, you want to check this book out?" <laughs> um, the women, the woman writer that was probably the two women writers that are probably most influential to me as a kid was first Agatha Christie. Oh, yes, yes, I, I, I read a lot of Agatha Christie. I don't know why. I don't know why I went through that phase. But I just read a lot of the Queen of Mystery. You know, the Queen. I've just read a lot of her, and uh, you know, she wrote. Fortunately for me, she wrote a lot of books that are easy to read for uh, you know people of a certain age. And this was when I was, you know, we're talking about probably middle schooler. Okay, I, I was, was reading, wondering. But I, I was reading a lot of Agatha Christie. Mm-hmm. Um, Actually, um, though he's obviously he's not female, I was going through at the same time. I was going through an Edgar Rice Burroughs thing oh, yeah. at the same time, but I was and so I was reading both those books. So I I feel almost like I have to mention that I was reading both Agatha Christie and Edgar Rice Burroughs all at the same time. But lots and lots of Agatha Christie, and the other one that influenced me in my teenage years, which um, you know I think is probably doesn't get 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 her due as a science fiction writer, but she clearly is a, a you know an excellent one is Anne McCaffrey oh, of yes. the Pern series, which I started reading in high school, and uh, um, and I think probably between those two writers, um, they probably had a lot to do with my writing style because if you think of both those writers. They kept things moving. And you mentioned that. And we can talk about that in a minute. You mentioned that whenever you re- read something in mind, it keeps moving. It doesn't dwell. It doesn't stop. And if you think about, uh, for those of you who are fortunate enough to read you know, Agatha Christie and Anne McCaffrey, these are books that were always, always, always moving. There wasn't a lot of time spent on plot exposition, unless you're talking, of course, about the big reveal at the end of the Agatha Christie books, which were all designed to you know all of her books were designed for the big reveal at the end yes but um the events kept moving in both of both of those genres and uh that's probably what influenced and influenced me uh you know greatly um as a writer and i have a few more writers but i'll pause here for your thoughts you're definitely right about that that now that i think about it agatha christie is a very smooth and quick read even though you're trying to figure out the plot twists along the way that will lead to the big reveal and I don't know if you know, did she have the reveal in mind and then write backward? Because I know some mystery writers do write that way. I, you know, I, you know, we could probably, there's probably been dozens of books written about her style True. and everything like True. that. Um, the one thing, let's talk about her, one of her most famous books, if not her most famous work, is Murder on the Orient Express. Oh, yes. 
And uh, we're going to spoil Murder on the Orient Express here right, right away, so I just uh, want to point that out. We're going to spoil Murder on the Orient Express, a book that's been out probably for 100 years and has had, what, at least two, if not three movies made of it in my lifetime. I like the one with Sean Connery, but anyway. <laughs> um, so what it is is, of course, the Orient Express is the uh, train which goes from uh, probably what was then what is now modern Turkey and then yes. works its way westward. And as it goes along, it, an eclectic set of passengers board, board it. And so Agatha, you know, touches on them, but doesn't really go into deep, deep detail of them. She describes them. And then as um, and then, of course, the most infamous person on board gets murdered. Um, and he's a real turd, as we find out. Um, and that's also part of the big reveal. But um, it turns out that the book is building up to the grand reveal by Hercule Perrault. And uh, I have a funny story for Liz, uh, for CCL later. Whoops, I just revealed your secret identity. <gasps> How oh, dare you? No. I'm going to have to erase your memory now. Uh, okay, but, uh, but, uh, but the big reveal is when, um, is when the big bad guy is murdered. It turns out that he was not murdered by everybody, but he was murdered by, you know, each of the passengers who had a relation to this big bad guy's murder victim many, many years ago. A terrible, terrible, disgusting murder. And so, um, but so when, so when you ask, did uh, Agatha spend a lot of time, you know, discussing those kind of components, getting up to the big reveal? I think she, what she did is she'd like to touch them and to give them the 10,000 foot view. Right. And then get closer and closer to them as you get closer to the big reveal. Now, I'm going to admit right straight up, you know, I did not get the big reveal. Sometimes, um, sometimes mysteries are really obvious. But probably one reason I was so fascinated by Agatha Christie is because often and more often than not, I never got the big reveal. And now that you mention it, I had... I don't know if you noticed, but I was watching the movie Clue the other night, mm. which is based on a board game. Yeah. But I believe the way the movie plays out, it ends up very much like Murder on the Orient Express, where they all had a connection to the person <laughs> and the victim and that, uh, you know, everybody basically was involved. Yep. So we're spoiling Clue there, folks. Okay. Um, so Agatha Christie and uh, Anne McCaffrey of the very... Um, fleshed out Pen, Pern series and this is of course is uh, the Dragon Rider series just very I'm going to briefly talk about it um, that Anne McCaffrey did an excellent job fleshing out the hierarchy the society the uh, casts for lack of a better phrase uh, but she didn't dwell on it but she just kept things moving because the planet was under attack uh, from you know an exterior from an exterior enemy and the Dragon Riders had to rise to attack that to defend the planet and it sounds, um, I'm not doing it justice, but it's, uh, there's several, do there's more than a dozen books talking about this society that she doesn't spend a lot of time describing, but we managed to pick up all of the details. And again, that, that speaks to my kind of writing. And that's, that's a series that I actually have not read. Mm -hmm. However, our kids are very fond of it. And, you know, that may have been part of the influence on our youngest daughter, mm -hmm. the writer. But uh, now that you mention it, the interesting part of that style of writing is the world building. And it's very difficult to do world building without overwhelming readers mm -hmm. with a lot of detail all at once. You don't want to go in and give them a history lesson right at the beginning mm -hmm. of the book. So there is a huge talent behind being able to space it out and make the book flow like that. 
So uh, other women writers, and I know that uh, some of these are going to inspire you. Other women writers who influenced me not as a kid, but as a you know as my um, evolution as a writer, evolution as an adult. Uh, I actually happen to have a list here because uh, March eighth is a Women's Writers Day. It's, oh. And uh, so back on March eighth, I have not this year. Back in uh, twenty, God, I don't even remember when it was. Twenty uh, something. Oh, 2020, March of 2020. Uh, somebody said, "Well, who? Well, name, give a list of women's writers who have influenced you as a writer." And so the list I did was Agatha Christie and um, and uh, Anne McCaffrey. Yes. And then as a writer, I'm just going to go down this list: Al, um, uh, Anne Rice, um, the Lestat series, uh, J.K. Rowling, um, Jane Austen, obviously, duh, Mary Shelley, uh, which oh. wrote. One of the great women writers, right there. One of right the great women writers, Alice Walker, uh, which uh, the color purple. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harper Lee, who wrote one great book and a very terrible sequel. <laughs> Margaret Mitchell. Now, the, Margaret Mitchell is problematic, but it was still an influence because, of course, that's um, you know, um, well, well gone with the gone with the wind. Gone with the wind, but it, but it's uh, but it was still you know very. Uh, what she exceeded, what she excelled at was, uh, you know, setting up, uh, describing the world, describing the world, and uh, uh, Madeline Lingle. I don't pronounce. I'm not pronouncing right. Actually, no. I think you got it just right. Okay, Madeline Lingle. Um, I tried to get into Diana Gabaldon, which was the Highlander series, but um, I just listed her because I think I was reading her at the time. And Amy Tan, of course, the Joy Luck Club. Wow, what a book! What a book! Oh, yes. what, what a great book that was! And lastly, um, and I'm gonna, and again, I'm gonna destroy this name is uh, Audrey uh, Neffinger, Neffinger, who uh, wrote *The Time Traveler's Wife*, which uh, I modeled one of my books on. And uh, uh, the reason that I modeled one of my books on it is what it is is a, uh, uh, it was uh, each of the characters, main two main characters, were taking their, their turns. Uh, describing the events of their time, you know, the events of their lives as they, uh, as he was hopping back and forth in time and as she was growing up. And uh, so I tried to do something similar with one of my books, turned out to be one of my crappiest books, and I pulled it off the market. But it gave me a really good insight into different voices of characters and different looks of characters. And so I tried to do something like that. So uh, she was definitely an influence with that one book on my writing style. And... um, I can't think of many more, and I think it's a terrible injustice that um, that we have to work so hard to recognize women as writers. Who I whereas I think we should probably spend more time spend looking at writers who happen to be women. So was there uh, anything in there that uh, that uh, inspired you or? Well, yes, definitely Alice Walker because the color purple really opened my eyes to the world like more detail about the world and other people's experiences in it because you and I were probably both raised in a very white centric you know white history centric the history written by the victors basically and the color purple dives into the the really horrible things that have happened to people of color over time and uh, that one it was so heart-wrenching I mean, I saw the movie before I read the book. And actually, they've remade the movie 
Uh, mm. Recently, Oprah Winfrey, I believe, produced it, and Oprah Winfrey was in the movie that I saw in the 1980s. But it it is a very in depth look at the um, the horrible injustices perpetrated against the people of color. Mm-hmm through no fault of their own because basically they and you know we're talking women writers but going back to Alex Haley and Roots I mean that was also another eye-opener for me for that reason Mm -hmm. but Alice Walker's was so um oh just heartbreaking that um being able to add that much detail even though it is heartbreaking really helps to flesh out the story um, yeah, absolutely. And there's a couple, I'm not going to discuss, dive into depth on this entire list, but I, there's a couple that I want to pull out here for, for reasons. First of all, Anne Rice, of course, the Lestat series, the vampire series. And the reason that I found that interesting goes back to the phrase that evil people rarely realize that they're evil. And so, um, and mull that for a second, evil people often do not realize that they're the bad guys. And so um, I could hop forward and say J.K. Rowling, and obviously, you know, he who shall not be named. From his point of view, he was not evil. He was using, um, you know, horrid means to justify the end. And the vampires in the Anne Rice books uh, were not evil. They were surviving. Now, I've got, now I need to come back and, and clarify that. When I say they were not evil... They were not evil from their own point of view. They were doing actions in order to survival. The ultimate where ends justify the means. And so um, so reading it from that point of view, we're thinking about, uh, well, what if I'm not evil? What if I'm just surviving? Uh, does that make me evil to survive? And in the vampire's point of view, no, that's not true. Uh, I, sur- I survive, therefore what I'm doing is right. So it's an interesting um, moral dilemma if you think that way. But if you just think, hey, the ends, the ends justify the means, then, you know, that, that's not evil. That's just the way it is. And that is a very good point because there have been cases where you will read a character and depending on your the point of view of the book, um, if it's well written, you don't often realize exactly what the character has done, what kind of crimes they've committed if it's done well. And in that case... You know, you are looking at it from, uh, so Interview with the Vampire. Mm-hmm. Did not read the book, but I did see the movie. And the movie is set where the uh, where Lestat, the vampire Lestat, is being interviewed by a journalist. And he's just talking about his life. So it's not like he's talking about, oh, I've committed all these horrible, heinous murders. It's like, this is what happened over the course of my life. So... When you're, you know, the framing, the way the story is framed Mm -hmm. can give you some idea as to the motivations of the character where what we might consider an evil person, if it's written one way, maybe they're more sympathetic if they're written in another way. Yep. Again, um, bad guys very rarely see themselves as bad guys. Right. And we have so many modern examples of that. We we can't swing a cat without hitting one of them, so we won't go there. Right. Um. I'm going to talk about the what turned out to be the most problematic writer on this list, and that's going to be J.K. Rowling. But, uh, and we're talking about women's writers who influence us. Now, maybe not so much as writers, though it turned out to be that way, but influence as a person. And uh, like it or not, admit it or not, J.K. Rowling had quite a bit of influence on you, uh, you and the kids, 
because uh, they gave you a whole host of life memories. Yes. Life memories uh, that you shared together as they were growing up and they gave you a path they gave you a, a door into their lives when right. you know especially as teenagers when they tend to be closed off oh definitely so jk rowling before she uh, well, kept opening her mouth yeah basically <laughs> um was a positive influence in that way that you gave you shared life memories and a door and i think in that case your comment about evil people not seeing that they're evil i'm not saying that she is evil but she is definitely problematic against certain groups of people. And she is making hurtful comments about certain groups of people who actually found her writing to be a safe space, mm-hmm. which I think it makes it doubly bad for and them. And I, th- I think it's important to point out here that, you know, our, our kids fall into that category. Yes. And so here they are, you know, having, reading these books and being influenced uh, in, in, a a positive, positive, yeah. in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Uh, never give up. Always fight. Right. Um, good triumphs over evil. And they're doing this during their formative years. And so there's a, there's a level of empowerment going on here. Right. And then uh, the writer, good or bad, you know, um, opens her mouth. And so this has to definitely affect not only our kids' psyche. Right. Uh, but, you know, millions of kids that were in yes. the same situation. And so I can only say, I'm sorry, folks. I, f- I feel for you. I wish there was something I could say. And it is hurtful because, like you said, it was... A time when we had a lot of very enjoyable life experiences together as mother and kids where we were going to the midnight book releases we were going to the midnight movies we were just really drawn into this world and one of the greatest influences I think she had was that she got a lot of people who would not have been avid readers to read Mm -hmm. and to look forward to her book releases so the whole idea of what she did at the time is good what she has done since has not been so good yeah our kids are in the group that has basically you know cancel culture type situation where uh, they don't even really want to talk about it anymore and i'm sure there are a lot of other people out there like that we have so many reminders around the house we've bought multiple copies of her books we've bought the house banners we've bought the I have a full set of Quidditch gear that was given to me by the kids. And see, this is where being a person of influence can be a very problematic thing. Mm-hmm. And it, for good or evil, I mean, she did a very good job at portraying the world she created. Mm-hmm. Enough so that not only did everybody buy all her books, they went to see all her movies, they actually went in and they made movies out of the smaller books that were within her original series. So it was a long period of influence over people. And looking, you know, history, probably 50 years in the future, looking back is going to be like, eh, well, kind of like when we look back at Margaret Mitchell. Yeah. You know, people should have known better, right? So the question, of course, is, is is anybody ever going to reboot those movies? They always talk about it, but are they ever going to reboot those movies? But it goes back to a cliche, which I say every once in a while, is you never name a school after somebody who's alive. Right. You know, it's in people, people continue to do that. And sometimes it comes up and bites them in the ass. But my rule is never, never name a school after somebody who's alive. And this is an instance of that when people were ready to do things like that. Uh, 
And so, you know, so we're talking about influences, um, women's writers who have influenced us throughout our entire lives, you know, positive and negative. And I, I feel pretty good about my list. Is there, I, can you be thinking of anybody else? I'm sure there, there's ours. We haven't talked about, you know, poets. We haven't talked about uh, newspapers or I should say journalists. We, you know, that's how old I am, folks. Whenever I think about, you know, news, whenever I think about journalists, first the word I go to is newspapers. But that's right. But there, there's a whole, you know, John, there's whole several genres that we're not talking about where women have touched the keyboard. And again, um, I wish it was more, you know, writers who happen to be women. But here we are. Well, when you mentioned Agatha Christie, they are two separate genres. But that made me think of Barbara Cartland, mm-hmm. who was a huge and prolific romance author. And I picked her up as an, basically as a young adult, kind of early 20s, going into my mid-20s, and was reading voraciously anything that she put out. She had the... Her type of romance was the kiss at the end of the book, basically. It was all very chaste, and, you know, it was all the lead-up to the little touches and the smiles, and it was more of a sensory experience than the more modern eroticism type of romances. Mm-hmm. So I think some of that has influenced my writing also because her books, looking back at them, they're not really that well written, but they did capture the uh, reader's emotions in a way that, uh, you know, some other books might not have. So she was a big influence on me also. Yeah, and you know, our listeners might be surprised that we actually talk about writing when we're not on the podcast. And so I mentioned something yesterday. I don't remember the context. Context is, is you'll, uh, one of my English professors said, you'll never grow poor by writing for people who move their lips when they read. Um, and I don't even remember what the context was. It was in Lowe's. We were in the parking lot in Lowe's. I think we were talking about becoming rich and famous authors. Yeah, being rich and famous <laughs> authors. But Oh, right. That's exactly what yep. we were. It's like, yep. you know, if we want to be rich, we should write for people whose lips move when they read. Now, again, and I'm quoting what my, one of my English professors. Right. But uh, would you say that Barbara Cartland you know, would fall into that category? Yes. And I think the way you discussed Agatha Christie... Of the two writers, I think Agatha, Agatha Christie was really the much better writer, but uh, I think both of them wrote to what I was told was that you kind of write to the fourth or fifth grade reading level mm-hmm. for the general populace, because some people read better than others at different ages, but the general fourth or fifth grade reading level, which is where a lot of people may top out, mm-hmm. they never get beyond that into the more in-depth reading so um, I think that's kind of what your professor or teacher was talking about was, you know, you're still sounding words out that way. And mm-hmm. so that's definitely, Barbara Cartland, I think, would definitely fall into that category. Okay. Um, so we talked about several uh, influential writers who happen to be women, and we also talked about a few men. Uh, did we miss any women writers? Because for the life of me, I know we're going to end this podcast. It's going to happen. And I'm going to f- remember some that we didn't mention uh, that uh, that influenced us. And we're going to be saying this to each other and we're going to be going, crap. <laughs> well, our youngest daughter, the author, names a lot of her pets, actually all of her pets, after authors. Right. So Anne Radcliffe, mm-hmm. the Bronte sisters, right. <laughs> you know, Louisa May Alcott. Right. Right there, there's three that we did not mention. Uh, right. Louis- actually, Louisa May Alcott was a huge influence on me. Little Women, I Always right. Wanted to Be Joe. Oh. 
the author. So right. um, that's a huge influence on me. And that's another one where you hadn't seen any of the movies. And we did a podcast about you actually having watched one of them. Yeah. I've... So, um, you know, she was a huge influence. The Brontes are definitely influential. Yeah. And um, Anne Radcliffe is a little bit more obscure. I don't know that I've ever read anything by her, but definitely another well-known female author. Yeah. And... Uh... We didn't give uh, enough kudos, I think, to Jane Austen since we were talking about that period of writer. But Jane Austen, during the, uh, this is a true story, during the pandemic, um, we uh, would, uh, CC is just about to go, oh, but during the uh, pandemic, uh, we would go to, when we went to bed, I would read a chapter of Pride and Prejudice every night. Uh, before I went to bed, and of course, my favorite role was uh, was mom because because <laughs> she was so easy to uh, she was so easy to uh, you know to imitate. Yes, 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 yes. the when mother you, is a when little... you have seven was it seven daughters when you have five daughters that, that you need to find husband. Maybe then you'll understand what I'm going through or something like that. Obviously, I'm paraphrasing. We're talking about uh, problematic authors or you know looking at characters as good versus evil. The mother in Pride and Prejudice. Is not necessarily evil. What do they call her? Uh, there's Mr. Darcy calls her something silly, I think. Or, something. But it's like it's in a way that it's like it's a major put down. It's like your mother is so silly. Yeah, it's, it's like, like oh. yeah, it's like I'm I'm I'm, I'm, give, I'm uh, proposing to you <clears throat> as a favor <laughs> right. because I've met your mom and oh my god, I'm proposing to you as a favor. Okay, all right, so um, so influential women writers. We've probably forgotten some um, because obviously we've hit the mainstream here, the mainstream writers for the most part, And but there's probably some that are, you know, just a little bit to the left, a little bit right of the mainstream that are probably your favorite. So shoot us, shoot us an email or contact us through social media. Who did we forget? Who should we have given proper credit to? Um, and if um, we haven't read them, then you know what? You might be pointing us to, to, a, to some new discoveries, and we'll be happy to read them because uh, I've made CC write, read some stuff that she never would have read uh, had she uh, continued her life as you know as a single woman of influence instead of becoming a married woman of influence. <laughs> that was definitely something early in our marriage that you did quite frequently, and there were books that, um, who am I thinking of? The White Gold Wielder. Oh, uh, yeah, White Gold Wielder. Thomas yeah, Covenant. Thomas, Thomas Covenant, Covenant yes. Yeah. I never would have picked that one up on my own, but that actually became a very big influence. Also, Richard Bach, but mm -hmm. we're not talking about men okay. right now. Yep. All righty. Um, so let us know what we've done. Let us know what we've forgotten. We actually have a topic for um, for next week, believe it or not. Based uh, on our or, experiences yes, of this yes. weekend. Feelings. Whoa. <laughs> Feelings. Okay, we'll do that next week. Um, uh, but for now, if you um, want to reach out to us and tell us what we got right or what we got wrong, or if you want to check out our books, or if you want to check out our other podcasts, you can reach us at www.carsonhume.com, where you can find uh, all sorts of things about us. Please have a look and please reach out and let us know what's going on. Uh, anything else we want to pass on to these good folks before we let them go? No, just if you are in California, Arizona, Nevada, Please be safe. Uh, watch out for Hurricane Hillary. Please pay attention to any warnings from emergency management. They are warning you for a reason. Yeah. It can get very dangerous very quickly. It might not seem like it, but you never know. We especially know that Las Vegas, when they get heavy rains, have, will have a lot of problems with people getting swept away in the waters. Yeah, and don't, they're don't not the only area. 
don't drive in puddles, folks. No. So uh, just definitely watch out. The next couple of days could be a little hairy for people on the West Coast with Hurricane Hillary. So we hope that you're safe. We hope that you're warm and dry. Yeah, and for the love of God, we hope that we see no more 100-year weather events for the rest of our lives. Not just <sighs> us. They're happening happening on a global scale. So yeah. anyone, anywhere who's facing these type of events, we really feel for you. Yeah, okay. Uh, sitting across the table from me is Cece. And across from me is JT. We hope that you have a wonderful, safe week, and we look forward to hearing from you, and we will talk to you next week. Y'all take care of yourselves now, you hear?